Hello, and this is Films for the Very First Time. Just wanting to intro the episode here as you're about to hear some very bad singing for about 15 to 20 seconds for our theme song, which is a parody of Feels Like the First Time by Foreigner. So uh, if you don't want to hear bad singing, just skip the 30 seconds button uh, and you'll be introduced to the episode proper. If you're open to hearing my terrible singing, uh, just keep listening. Films for the first time. Films for the very first time. Films for the first time. Films for the very first time. Hello and welcome to Films for the Very First Time. My name is Jordan and with me as always is Casey McGeorge. How are you today, Casey? Oh, how's it going, everybody? Going going well. Uh, we're recording this, you know, well in advance here. So got a little bit of a Halloween in, in September. Uh, <laughs> it's spooky season. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so it's been good. We're you know, recording on a holiday weekend, so I'm I'm excited to kind of dive into some movies. And uh, I watched this on uh, Friday because I had a lot of plans Saturday, so I uh, watched it Friday, like right after work. But Casey, tell us what movie we're discussing. All right. So as we once we looked at when the scheduling and when these were going to be released. And you said this one, this release for this episode was going to be the week of Halloween. I said we gotta have, we gotta, we gotta go spooky. We gotta have a horror themed element to it, right? It's Halloween. We gotta watch a horror movie or something. Um, between seeing what you haven't seen and what's available on streaming and various other things, and then I came up on a pick that I liked, and it said, and it was Thirteen Ghosts. How many? Ghosts have been set free. Eleven, and the house needs twelve. No. Damon said something about thirteen. That there are thirteen ghosts. The thirteenth ghost is a failsafe. In order to stop the process, the house needs a sacrifice of life instead of death. A willing human sacrifice. The sacrifice of the broken heart. The only ghost to be created out of an act of pure love. You're the 13th ghost. Uh, so this movie was released October 26, 2001. Um, it is. It had a $42 million budget and it grossed $68 million. Critically, it wasn't really regarded very well when it came out, but it's kind of since had a cult following in many years since. Um, directed by Stephen Beck. He's done commercials for First Union, GMC, Chevrolet. McDonald's and Gatorade. Uh, he's also spent years working for Industrial Light and Magic, visual effects art director for films like Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, The Abyss and Hunt for Red October, which the effects on those movies are pretty good. Uh, he, he's done two films, uh, 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship, both which came out for Dark Castle Entertainment. Uh, the screenplay was by Neil Marshall Stevens and Richard Delvidio. Hopefully I said that name correctly. It's a story by Rob White, 
It's also a remake of a film released in the 60s, I believe. It stars everybody's favorite uh, OCD detective, <laughs> Mr. Monk himself, Tony Shalhoub, uh, M. Beth Davids, Matthew Lillard, Shaggy, uh, Shannon Elizabeth, F. Murray Abraham, which kind of hard to believe that dude was in Scarface. Hmm. And uh, rapper Rod Digger in her first and only accredited movie role. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I was going to say, I, I wasn't too impressed by her character, but um, <laughs> we'll get to the acting. We're going to discuss that. We'll, we'll get to the acting. Uh, yeah, so this was uh, pre, pre-Shaggy pre days for Matthew Lillard, pre-Monk days was for it? Tony Shalhoub. Yeah. What, was it pre-Shaggy? Yeah, Shaggy was t- uh, 2002 uh, is when Scooby-Doo came out. Wow. And for those who may not know, he actually is doing the voice of Shaggy now. Yes. For the cartoons and things. Like, he played the live-action version of Shaggy, which, let's admit, that's picture-perfect casting. Mm-hmm. Like, that was just spot-on. But he's also doing he's also doing the voice role, which, once again, it's perfect. Like, you know, two thumbs up for, for them picking that one. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I love when, the, you know, they, they do that kind of thing. Um in these things, but uh, yeah, I, I guess he's yeah he j- he's still voicing Shaggy right now. Okay, I I know there was a movie where he didn't voice him, and that was like the newest Scoob movie, the CG really? yeah the CG one. He was not asked to voice him, but he's been doing all the like usual cartoons still, um, which is great, which is great. Uh. I'm trying to think about like what I first saw him in. Uh, let's see. scream for me. No, I haven't seen Scream. Um, uh, he did a movie called SLC Punk or something about like some punk skateboarding dude. Or yeah, something. What did I know him from before Scooby Doo? Summer Catch. Yeah, I knew him from Summer Catch, the baseball movie with Freddie Prince Jr. and Jessica Biel. He's in that. And hold on, who is he in this with? He was in a movie called Dish Dogs that I've never seen, but it has Sean Astin, Matthew Lillard, and Shannon Elizabeth, who's in this movie with him. Okay, why is like Sean Astin been connected to just about every <laughs> every movie we talked about? I, it's like six degrees um... of Sean Astin at this point. Yeah, Shannon Elizabeth was was on a hot streak for a while there after the American Pie movies. Um, she's not so much into acting right now. She's doing a lot of conservation work. Um, and she was a she was a, a pro poker player for a while. Too. You know how Hollywood is too. Sometimes actresses get to a certain age and they're like, never mind. The thing is, she was. I mean, let's let's. She was a former model as well. She's an incredibly beautiful woman. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. I mean, it could be any number of things. I don't know the reasons why. It could be she, like, after the American Pie stuff, she was kind of pigeonholed into, like, these sexy type roles, and maybe she didn't want to do those. And which, for an actor or actress to get pigeonholed into roles, especially something like that, I can totally understand. Um, it's probably not why she got into the business in the first place. Um, I can't imagine, especially the 2000s, the level of harassment she got from a lot of that as well. Right. Um, 
So, I mean, it, any number of reasons, but like you said, too, uh, once, act, especially actresses, they hit a certain age, they either have to move to, like, they go from, like, young, attractive women to, like, grandmothers. There's, like, no in-between. Or they'll play, like, or a mom difficult. that gets, like, three minutes of screen time or something. Yeah. Yeah. Don't and even leads. then, it, it's it, it's hard for them to picture some some of these actresses in mom roles. Um, or they, or the, the studios don't want to put them in mom roles. I don't think. So where were you in October of 2001? Uh, let's see. October of 2001. I was in fifth grade. And I was probably currently reading the Harry Potter books to prepare for Harry Potter release uh, for the first film. Oh, the first one was getting ready. To yeah, come it came out? out November of two thousand one. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we know what was probably the biggest grossing movie of two thousand one. That's a good uh, question, because then like later that year is Lord of the Rings. But, uh, yeah, it was probably Harry Potter. Um, I would. Uh, so two thousand one, I was a young Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone domestically. Yes, highest grossing. Okay, it's Harry Potter. I figured. Um. October of 2001, we, had ju- we were just coming off the September 11th attacks. I was at Fort Stewart, Georgia as a young young Sergeant Casey McGeorge, uh, newly married, wondering when I was going to get sent off to some foreign country because I knew uh, I was on tanks at the time, so shooting tanks. So I knew at some point, yep, I'm getting ready to go on a plane somewhere. It was... Uh, Probably about a little over a year later, I did. Um, in the lead up to Iraq. Uh, so you were in fifth grade. There was no way you were going to watch this movie. No, I can tell um, you there's no way my parents were taking me to see this movie. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, like that's why, honestly, that's why I didn't ask you why you didn't see it. Like, once you said that, I was, I had no I clue. Like, yeah, I'll I say it this of... way, too. I had no clue this movie exists until you, until you just assigned it to me. Uh, you know, when we were looking okay. it up. At the end of last week, and I'm like, oh my god, Tony Shalhoub, Matthew Lillard, Shannon Elizabeth, F. Murray Abraham. How did I never hear of this? Um, but I, my my cousin, my cousin is a huge horror fan. He is younger than me. Okay, born '96. Uh, so I message him. I'm like, hey, have you seen this movie, Thirteen Ghosts, with uh, Tony Shalhoub and Matthew Lillard? He says, yeah, I love that movie. Right. So two thumbs up from my cousin Brandon. And he said that he's watching all the time as a kid. Uh, <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I, I try not to knock anybody. <laughs> he's younger than you. Like what, what, what's going on in this household? Man? Yeah. Well, you know, he would watch it at my grandfather's or whatever. Uh, so I don't know. Okay. You can get away with just about yeah, anything. Yeah. You can get away a little bit more at my grandfather's, but also, okay. It was, uh, he was a big horror fan and so are his like parents i believe so i i think it was kind of like you know he kind of grew up uh curious about that and was able to watch that kind of stuff so for me i was somebody that was if my parents let me watch rated r i probably would have told them i'm too young you know i was a buy the book kid you Uh. know um yeah so uh i I was a buy the book kid i was uh, you know you know I never drank alcohol underneath 21. I still don't even really drink it at 21. I've only had a couple sips at my wedding, but don't, uh, you know, I'm a a rule follower. 
I guess. So that was, uh, yeah. So it was just funny that he, that he sent me that. And, uh, I, I never really heard him talk about it, but he loves like all these type of movies. I know he loves Matthew Lillard too, because of the whole Scooby-Doo thing. So, uh, cause he grew up loving Scooby-Doo. So, uh, yeah, just, uh, two thumbs up for my cousin there. I was, uh, I was always, I've always been a big horror fan. Uh, so I think when I first saw the trailers and everything, I was like, I, I have to go see this. I did go see this in the theater. Um, I thought it was, uh, we'll get to that later. Uh, so another quick fact, uh, guess who had uncredited rewrites on the script? James Gunn. I saw this. I saw this on Wikipedia. You were not supposed to see that. <laughs> yeah. I wonder how much he actually did here because, um, a lot of times if it's uncredited, you, you don't change a lot. And like, I know Dan Harmon creator of community did some, yeah. uh, uncredited screen rights on some of the MCU films to punch up jokes and stuff. Um, you know, so I, I do wonder like what the goal is when they go in, there's like polishing, like, Oh, this thing didn't work real quick. Or is it like, let me punch this thing up real quick. Uh, enough that they don't credit them, but somehow still enough to make it a better film. It's kind of a weird industry. Yeah. So like, uh, Carrie Fisher has done a lot. Yes. Yep. Uh, she was she was big in, in in that in Hollywood. Uh, Patton Oswalt, comedian Patton Oswalt, uh, does that as well. And he talked. That's one of his uh, on one of his stand up things. He has some jokes about that. Really, where uh, he 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 does that. He does you know some things. And he he talked about how they brought him in to punch up so or to do some stuff for an animated movie. He didn't say which one. And they're like, whoa, 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 stop. He's like, we're not changing a thing on this movie. Like. You know, it's computer generated. It costs us like $200 million to make. He's like, well, what do you want me to do? And they're like, we need you to come up with stuff that we could have in the background going on that will make people laugh. <laughs> you know, like some dude falls. I think he even specifically says like some dude falls in like some butterscotch or something like things like that. But it's like one of those things where uh, for like, you know, animated ones, they even do it there. They just look for other things. But yeah. There's a there's a lot of people that that that, that that's how they I don't even want to say supplement their income, but I was I was shocked years ago when I found out Carrie Fisher did that. Yeah. And she was like she was one of the go to ones for something like that. So um All right, so the okay, you've seen Family Guy, right? Yeah. You, you some okay. There was a there was a skit one time where Peter talked about he went to the movie theater and he talked about how once he sat down, you can't tell when the movie starts or if it's logos for like the production company. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? And it, it's funny because there's these these things keep popping up, but it's also like this production company or this company, blah, 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 in his thing. That kind of happened in this one. Like as soon as I saw that, I would like, that, that's what I thought of immediately. The first couple production company logos because I was like, oh, that's not... Hard yeah, the, the Dark oh, Castle okay. one. Yeah. I was like, yeah. is this the start? Nope. Okay. <laughs> nope, nope, nope. That's not it. But the movie starts. Uh, we, we, we see some a, a, a plethora of vehicles entering a junkyard, right? Um, they come in, and these guys are on a mission. Like, everybody's moving with a purpose, and they're hooking up speakers, and there's wires being thrown, and all this stuff connected up. Then we see like a Model T 
driving. Uh, it's not a Model T, but it looks like it. It's close enough. It's 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 an old old car from like the thirties. And I don't know if maybe this is another Scooby Doo tie in, but when we first see F. Murray Abraham's character come out of that car, mm-hmm. it's very cartoonishly like it's cartoonish. It's like a cartoon villain. Yeah, what I would say about the opening of this movie, this movie is very cartoonish opening of the film. Lillard's hamming it up. Uh, you know, F. Murray Abraham's kind of hamming it up. Uh, <laughs> and yeah, it, it's a very like, I was like, what am I watching in this first scene here? Because it kind of just pulls you right into it. Like, I thought it would start with the Tony Shalhoub character and stuff like that. Okay, so the scene after this, where we first get introduced to Tony Shalhoub's character, where we find yes. out he's married and he's got this beautiful family, and During then there's the a fire, and his wife, yeah. yeah, the credits are coming on, and his wife gets trapped in the house, and his wife passes away from the fire. I mean, I think they made a good choice by starting with the action and kind of getting you hooked into the movie. But I would have figured they would have started with that portion first to get the tragedy and the, the sadness in there. But no, they, they went straight, like you said, hamming it up. Um, so they're, they're, they're looking for, they're, they're looking for a spirit in this graveyard. And it's one of 12 ghosts that, that F. Murray Abraham's character has to capture or he wants to capture. Uh, they get interrupted by a husband and wife duo who are a, violently and vehemently against what you're doing basically enslaving enslaving these souls um and the the husband says something about a 13th ghost which kind of makes matthew lillard a little weirded out right he's not sure what's going on because he was only contracted yeah yeah he says they say there's only uh he wasn't told anything about a 13th ghost what's going on um we find it in this scene. We we also get that Matthew Lillard's character has some psychic abilities. He touches the ground. He he finds out um, one of the things he says was you said this guy only killed twelve people. There's forty bodies in this grid in in the junkyard, and I guess uh, Murray Abraham tells him well he's he's been busy in the afterlife, so he's killed twelve people before he was taken out, and then consequently. People that have gone there afterwards have succumbed to him as well. Um, he touches F. Murray Abraham's character, gets some glimpses, but uh, Abraham kind of knocks his hand away and tells him, "Don't get too curious." Um, we they start spraying blood all over the place. I don't get, but hey, whatever. Uh, it's a horror movie. You don't really need a lot of great explanation for stuff. Um. You also notice all these people are wearing these weird glasses with like lights on the side. That enables them to see these spirits that are around. And we see the spirit in this one. Um, ooh, this guy is a character. This is the uh, uh, there's out of the 13 ghosts. This is uh, there's out of the 12 ghosts that he needs to capture. I'm sorry, give me one second. I should have open. This is, they're going after the Juggernaut. Um, so he is, uh, he is 
probably he is like the boss of this series, I guess you would call it. Um, he ends up killing a whole bunch of this guy's uh, workers um, in very bloody fashion. And then uh, the guy, the lady's husband gets killed. And then F. Murray Abraham character gets killed. Um, we get our intro and credits. Um, so let's talk about the acting in this movie. Uh, I've seen this movie many times. It wasn't until today that I watched this movie and I was like, what is going on with the acting in this movie? Yeah, you know, I would say th- I think the best acting in this movie is from Tony Shalhoub. I think he is the heart of that. Like, I think he acts pretty, pretty good. I, there's times I see a lot of Adrian Monk in this guy. But, I mean, Matthew Lillard's character is way over the top acting. Over the top. Over the top. Um, Rod Digger's character yes. isn't very good. Also over the top. Uh, there's a lawyer we get introduced to he later. He is the biggest offender of the ve- pure, over the top acting. Over the top, pure sleaze ball. Yeah. Um, but I mean, he's a slimy lawyer. Like that's the character he's supposed to give off. He did very well in that. Um, weird thing to get bothered by. I was bothered by his teeth today. Really? His teeth were too like white and too big. Like I don't know. <laughs> Just it was too much. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and especially just with his sleazy lawyer character, it was just too much. Um, yeah, the act, they, they, this, this goes up, this is almost up there with some Jim Carrey overacting in some scenes. <laughs> um, I get why Matthew Lillard's character, why Matthew Lillard does some of it with his character where we learn that basically he can't touch anybody. Because if he does, he gets flooded with like their Premonitions memories and, and memories, images yeah. of their life and the possibility of seeing how they die. Um, but they're not very consistent with it in this movie because there's plenty of times where he is touching other characters and he doesn't get that where they touch him. But there's also a few times where he specifically tells people like, don't touch me because that kind of gives him those visions. So I get it, like they're acting in a movie and later in this house they're in some very tight quarters so you can't help it, but it's just kind of inconsistent and that kind of took me out of it a little bit as I was watching this today, like, just like a scene ago, he just said, don't touch him, now he's got his hand on her back, like, what is going on here? <laughs> he can touch. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, Yeah, I think that is a little inconsistent and I think also, like, I don't know if it was really established well enough that, like... I should believe what he sees is a hundred percent going to happen. I guess like, I didn't know if there's a way he can prevent the stuff or not. And uh, so, so there was a bit there where, you know, spoiler, right. When they try, uh, you know, when, when he sees his death, right. When he's saving, yeah. uh, what what's Tony Shalhoub's character's name? Mr. Uh, Criticos, what is his first name? Arthur. Uh, Arthur Criticos. Yeah. When he's when he's saving Arthur and stuff, I'm like, the way he reacted to it didn't make me think he knew for sure it was going to happen until he decided he would go with him, I guess. But like, 
I don't know that that I found very confusing on like what exactly with the psychic are we can we believe did you already spoil that you're going to kill this character off like is there no way it can be prevented type of thing that's what I was curious we'll see now we're getting into the weird aspect of seeing how something is going to happen does that allow you to prevent it from happening or does that just does that just give you the information of what's going to happen and that and that and that gets it that gets us into alternate timelines of like if you change something, maybe in alt like now you're looking at alternate universes. This wasn't supposed to happen, and it could any number of things could end up coming from that. Like we can go down rabbit holes on this all day. Like and, and no, not even I'm just saying like that's one of those things. But I get what you're saying. Like yeah, but also I I think it's more of like he sees what is going to happen. Um, yeah, the only reason I didn't think that, right? Like I, I thought that, right? I was like, okay, he's seeing the future here. Then I'm thinking the way he's reacting to that, where he knows he's going to die. He didn't act like he knew he was going to die the rest of the time until he decided to leave with Arthur. Like I felt like the rest of the time up till then, he was still acting as if he can die at any moment, I guess. So I was kind of, that's where I was just a little confused on that, but. Regardless. So, at, at the same time, I'll say, like, if, if he saw this vision and knew that's how he was going to die, right? And this is, like, it's his vision. He has a better, you know, grasp on his, his powers and his abilities than we do. And if he sees this and feels like this is going to happen, right? Like, I can't change this can't alter the course of this history like this is what will happen is there any sense in fighting it at that point like i i, I don't know well, i don't know about fighting it but i'm just like i feel like i would feel invincible until that moment happens <laughs> like it didn't seem like it was really like at times he still seemed super scared about things that maybe he wouldn't have to be you know well i mean okay just okay just because well and he's still, when they show the vision, he's still kind of in good shape. Yeah, yeah. But, like, just because just because he's still going to be alive up until that point doesn't mean, like, bad things can't happen. Um, so we, 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 we get to the Criticos family in their very small apartment. Um, Arthur is an English teacher. They live in a small apartment. They have a babysitter, uh, Maggie, who was played by Rod Digger, who, like you said, um, she decided acting wasn't for her. And in all fairness, like it does take a lot of work, and I'm sure there were some very, very long days and things doing this. Um his daughter, Shannon Elizabeth, who plays uh Kathy. Uh Bobby by uh, uh his son, who has an obsession with death when he's like six years old. Like when they, he's making like the first version of a podcast on his little tape recorder talking about suicide rates are up. Uh, family's had a rough time. Um, like I said, they're in a very small apartment. I'm trying to figure out how he's affording to pay for this babysitter and nanny and Maggie, but I don't know. Maybe there's some helping from the state because of his wife's passing. Maybe, there, maybe there's some things going on. I don't know. Uh, lawyer shows up, sleazeball. 
tells him, opens up a computer and plays like a video from his late uncle Cyrus, which looks like it was made in the late nineties or early 2000s. Yeah. It's like a quick time video, but it is very intuitive where like, it'll become full screen when it needs to show something and then like go back to like shrink down and, or or it closes and then it opens back up again for Cyrus to say something. (laughs) The only thing missing when he started that video was either you need to update real player or quick time to the latest <laughs> yes, version. Yes, yeah. Because back in those days, that would always happen when you would go to watch something. Like, quick and it would take forever to download the update because internet yeah. was slow. Quick time is now has version three point six point two. Please update at your earliest convenience, and it blocks the screen, and you like you can't watch the video till you update it, and all this other stuff. That was the only thing missing to make it a real period of that time. Um, apparently Arthur's family believe that Cyrus had just wasted and squandered the money, um, his, the family fortune. Great line. She's, uh, his daughter asked, we have a family fortune. No, he squandered. Yeah. Yeah. You know what though? Fair enough. Okay. Did he squander it or not? Because I feel like this whole house with the ghost thing is the biggest waste of time he, you could ever do. Yeah. I could have spent this money a million better ways. Just saying. But you're not also trying to get the eye of the devil opened up so you can see everything that's going on in the world and you're the most powerful person in the world. I guess. Or the but... eye of hell or whatever. <laughs> I mean, if, if I mean, you know, you're you're a much simpler man than our than than, than uh, Cyrus Criticos is, but Cyrus is. So the uh, he you know, Arthur or Cyrus was killed during in the in the junkyard. So the lawyer, he's the last living relative. He gets this house and everything. So go up to this house. It's this massive glass house. Now, I will also say, not only is the acting meh in this movie, some of the writing in this movie is pretty meh. You have Tony Shalhoub saying, nobody throw any stones. I get it's a dad joke. I liked that. I actually liked that line. I actually liked you that You get line. Miss Maggie doesn't do windows. Nah. The best line in the whole movie later on <laughs> is Dennis. Dennis asking his, Dennis asking Arthur, how do you use your kids in a glass house? <laughs> yeah. And Tony Shalhoub just turns and looks at him like, you son of a bitch. But it's a good point. Uh, But they get there. The entire house is made of glass. The walls. The floors. Seal, like, everything is made of glass. Which is just kind of weird. But it is what it is. It's filled with all these, like, historical artifacts and these little trinkets and doodads and pirate ships and various other little things it's beautiful but it's all it's also one of those like wow what what is this um so my biggest question with the house okay is who finished it right so cyrus is is dead at this point while capturing the 12th ghost but all 12 ghosts are in the house did did after all that crap happened 
Dennis still followed through with the contract and made sure all 12 are in this house? That's where I'm a little confused. We can get, we will get to okay. that. There is an answer for that. It's obvious, but you probably just skipped over and it, it didn't occur to you. I'm, well, it's we either Cyrus did after faking his death or the, his his lover, the girlfriend. Um. So you get to the house. Obviously, Arthur tells everybody, don't touch anything and don't move. So what's the first thing that happens when the lawyer takes him away to go sign some papers? Everybody's scattered and they have to go through that. Uh, Arthur brings up a good point. He's like, look, I'm a teacher. Uh, he says, like, the taxes alone on this, like, are, are going to be ridiculous, right? Mm-hmm. So, which I, I can't imagine. It doesn't say what state this is in. Um, or maybe it does. I don't know. Good but question. I can't imagine can't imagine the taxes on something like that are going to be cheap. Yeah. I assume this is like, you know what it feels like? It feels like Northeastern. It feels like an upstate New York. Yeah. Country. It doesn't say, though. Um, they start exploring the house. Everybody gets separated. And at some point, uh, they end up in the basement where the ghosts are captured. Now, they have these Oh, at the same time, when they get to the house, uh, Dennis, uh, Matthew Lillard's character, is playing the role of a electrician or from the power company. Because apparently this house is drawing so much power, it cut power to like 5,500 people in the neighborhood. So he needs to get in the house and look at the circuit breakers in the house. Does this make any sense? Not a bit. Yeah. Do we just have to go with it for story's sake? Sure. Another thing we have to, I, I had to, I just thought of, how did they not hear, uh, like, the center of this house until now? Or until later on? Like, there's turbines and there's gears and everything that are kind of going on under there. Well, it they, doesn't happen until he lifts the bag of money, right? I don't know. Maybe, but... Or actually, hold on. He does say something. He does say that the glasses sound. It starts working when they unlock the door. But then, like, the rest of the stuff that sets everything off is when the lawyer picks up the briefcase. Yeah, so as the kids get lost in the house, uh, Dennis goes uh, into the basement. He's got one of these weird, or he's got his regular glass on. He, he finds his way to the basement and sees that. Uh, Cyrus has containment cells. So all 12 ghosts that he has are in this house, in these little containment cells locked up. Uh, he later explains that there's Latin engraved on all this glass, and these are containment spells that kind of keep the ghosts at bay. And basically the, the spirit world has their own set of rules, and they have to obey what's, these spells and what's written on them so they can't cross over on the other side of these these things. Once again, let's take the story. Sure, we'll go with it. Uh, he has some freakouts because, as he explains later, when he gets within a certain distance of some dead beings, he starts having spasms. He starts going into like seizures and seeing things. And he kind of gets the gist and realizes what's going on. Um, he gets scared by a couple of ghosts. He runs upstairs. 
He runs back into uh, Arthur and the lawyer and explains the whole thing to him. Um, he tried, At first he tries to explain what he does in these big words and he's finally like, I'll, I'll break it down for you. Ghosts. I hunted ghosts with your, with your uncle. Mm-hmm. One, why didn't you just say that in the first place? Like, there's no reason to say you're like, you're in a spirit reclamation or all this other stuff. Like, you're not repossessing trucks here. Like, you're hunting ghosts. Just, just spit that out. Two, I had a ghost with your uncle. Goats? No, ghosts. <laughs> I had to rewind that because that tickled me. So I chuckled a couple times. Uh, the lawyer warns him because apparently he's been harassing the law firm for months. Apparently Cyrus sold him some money. Plus, he's kind of against now what's going on, even though he helped capture all the ghosts. Uh, they have some back and forth at some point. Eventually, the lawyer just disappears. He's gone. In a glass house. Nobody knows where he went. In a glass house. Yep. He didn't make any noise walking in a glass house. I don't get it. But okay. Yeah. He makes his way to the basement. Uh, Cyrus set this up perfectly. So he goes, he has his own set of glasses. He makes some remarks to one of the ghosts uh, about her body. Um, goes, he picks up this massive briefcase full of money, takes it off a of leather, which, as you said, starts everything going. Cranks start turning, wheels start turning, gears start shifting. Uh, the outside of the house literally starts shifting and the glass gets covered up and then shades are coming up and down. Glass inside the house starts moving around and changing and rooms are changing and, and various other things. Uh, the lawyer gets trapped with the same ghost and eventually he dies a horrible but befitting death. Um, yeah, yikes. Uh, split in half by the glass door closing. And inadvertently uh there was a great line layer of did the lawyer split yes <laughs> yes he did see now if tony shalhoub would have said that i would have said okay i'll give you that dad joke but no it came from rod Dayton. but uh so now uh dennis and uh ugh, dennis and arthur now are trying to find his favorite his, his kids they can't find them because, once again, they're not where they left them, and the house has started shifting and moving. They can't get out. So the adventures start. They have to find their way through the house in order to find their kids. Uh, at some point, they catch up with uh, their daughter and the babysitter um, because they lost their small son who's riding a scooter in this house. Once again, they're in a glass house. They have no clue where he is. Okay. Uh, so they're searching. They end up in the basement. Um, Dennis is still going on about ghosts and nobody believes him. Uh, eventually, they split up into two teams because it's a horror movie. You have to split up. Like, you can't just keep everybody together in a horror movie. Or, tying it back to Scooby-Doo, you have to split up in Scooby-Doo. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um. He, as he's explaining this to the babysitter, he gives her the glasses so she can see the ghost. So now she's a believer. She, uh, she finally understands what's going on. 
Um, they get chased, blah, blah, blah. We keep cutting back and forth between them and Arthur and his daughter. At some point, uh, she has a pair of glasses as well. They're getting, they're in the hallway. They don't, he doesn't really believe what's going on. And she starts getting thrashed by one of the ghosts. Um, that, the ghost she gets thrashed by. The jackal, right? Uh, no, I think it was. Uh, no, no, not her. Someone with the box on the head. The yeah, jackal. You know what? I, yeah, yeah. I think it, yeah, it was the jackal. Um, who was a serial killer. Um, he was horrible. He, uh, so Tony Shalhoub kind of. So he sees this happening in front of him that there's this mysterious being slashing his daughter, literally pulling away from her. He still doesn't believe those ghosts in the house. Enter uh, our lady from earlier, uh, Maggie. No, not Maggie. I'm sorry. Kalina, uh, the ghost hunter from earlier. Or she's trying to help these spirits, so she says. Um. She has to tell his daughter to give Arthur the glasses so he can see what's going on. He finally sees that there's ghosts in the house. He doesn't move. If you're Arthur, what is going through your head at this point? I mean, I don't know. I guess you have to believe it, right? But what I'll say here is I think it takes entirely too long in this movie for them to just give the glasses to Arthur <laughs> so he can understand what's going on. Um, but And there always seems to be like one person without the glasses. Yeah, because they only have like make... two or three. And then the lady, and then Kalina pulls out another pair out of her bag later. Like, really? Why didn't you just pull that out of your bag and give it to Arthur in the first place? Right, right. Yeah, I don't know. Um what go through is my what would go through my head here is uh one how one I'd be trying to get the hell out no matter how I can right I'd start throwing stones to get out of there but um I don't know I I think at that point you have to if you see it right you have to believe it and it's just like all right let's get my kids and get out of here um and also, how do I stop him, right? Like, when, when you have the jackal tearing up your back, when he starts going at his back at some point, it's like, yeah. if I'm somebody watching around, like, how do I even stop? Do I just push a ghost off of him? Like, how do I stop a ghost from attacking somebody? I can't see him. I can't even see him. Right, yeah. Two, my mind would be messed up for life if I lived through this. Because I'm always wondering what is around me right now. Like, I would have to find a way to keep a pair of those glasses. Because I would need to know what is around me at all times. Like, there's no way you can go back to living a normal life after something like this. The fact is, you probably end up in a mental institution. Because your brain wouldn't function. Every, you're going to be telling everybody what happened. And then you're going to be telling everybody that there's ghosts all around you at all times. Who the hell is going to believe you? Like, oh, I would just give him my glasses. I guess if I had like a pair still. At some point, you're going to end up committed. Like, yeah. there's no way you're not, you're not taking a padded wall vacation. Um, eventually, we catch up with Bobby. 
we find out that uh, Arthur's wife, Bobby's mother, is one of the ghosts in the house. Yeah, because she warns the boy not to go downstairs. She's telling him to to not go in the basement um, after he kind of gets knocked out, which head trauma at that age and, and, and that that's not good for the rest of his life. Like, uh, side note, I listen to a ton of podcasts. Uh, including a lot of like true crime ones and serial killers and murder ones. It is ridiculous the number of serial killers in our history who've who've had head trauma as a child. Mm. A lot of them. And I'm talking a lot of the big name ones too. Really? Richard Ramirez, like a lot of them. So, hate to say it, poor Bobby here, I think he's on the path to becoming a serial killer because A... Head trauma at this early age, not good. B, everything he saw, nobody's gonna believe him. At least his They're gonna think he At least his family will. His family will, but he's what, six years old? Seven? Somewhere yeah, probably now? Probably eight or right? something. I don't know. Like they're just gonna think it's some kid who has overactive imagination leave needs to leave that in the past. No, no one is ever going to believe him outside of his family. Right. And at some point, his family's going to end up in a mental institution. <laughs> so now he's out there by himself. Nobody believes that he knows there's ghosts around and they try to kill him. So, yeah, I think poor Bobby's on his way to being a serial killer here. There's going to be podcasts written about this guy down there. <laughs> um, He'd be one of those that's like, I just loved seeing the ghosts. I wanted to make more of them in the world, so I killed everyone. <laughs> that's what I'm saying, like. Like it, 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 it's not gonna end. Well. Especially, we know he already had a fascination with this stuff beforehand. Yeah, <laughs> dude, he's he's seriously on a killer. He's seriously on his way to being like one of the top ten serial. <laughs> like he's he's gonna have a cool nickname too, especially if he doesn't outgrow his uh, Ghost Maker. His, that's that's what his name will be. <laughs> if he doesn't out, out, outgrow what uh, his voice issue there, yeah, yeah, like that makes it even more creepy. Um, they they're going through the house. Uh, Kalina and and Dennis, the everybody ends up meeting up at some point. Um, Kalina and Dennis have their words because Kalina brings up this is Dennis' fault. He helps Cyrus capture all the ghosts. He has to break it to Arthur after Kalina brings it up that ghost number four is his uh deceased wife. Mm-hmm. He gets punched in the face for it, rightfully so. Kind of get that. Like it's not a not an absurd reaction under under the circumstances. Um. Eventually, Kalina breaks out the the facts. Uh, the house is this massive box. Um. It is. Uh. What what is the name? I, I, the name I can't even get into the name. It's it's out there, but they're all from the dark. Uh, there's twelve ghosts that are needed in the house from the Black Zodiac. Uh, the firstborn son, the torso, which quick note was actually played by a uh, a uh, man missing two of his limbs. Hmm. He was he was actually missing his legs. So uh, they just did some special effects for his, his head and everything, but that was that was that actor was, was missing his, his limbs. So 
Good job for inclusivity in the early 2000s. Uh, the Bound Woman, The Withered Lover, which is ghost number four. The Torn Prince, The Angry Princess, The Pilgrimess, The Great Child, The Dire Mother, The Hammer, The Jackal, and The Juggernaut. At some point when all 12 of these spirits are released from their cells, they will be called to the center of the house. And they will open up a portal which will allow them to see the eye of hell or something of that nature. And it allows whoever controls it the power to see the past, the present, the future. Be an all-knowing being and be the most powerful person in the world. Where we get the 13th ghost is, it is explained to us that the 13th ghost is a failsafe. That if someone out of pure love sacrifices himself... It kind of is a failsafe and will short circuit the system and cause it all to fall and will close the portal. So, uh, Arthur and Dennis decide they're going to go find his kids one last time. We find out Selena has like 50 pounds of explosives in her bag that she's just been running around with. She's thrown her bag a couple of times. Like, this is not how you take care of explosives, lady. Like, come on. Yeah, not um, not very safe. No, safety is not her number one priority. Uh, they get the bright idea from Arthur that they can take one of these panes of glass and use it to walk behind to get to where they're going. Yeah, because it has and a spell that, on it. While that is a great idea in theory, the practicality of that, man. Like, can you imagine how much that glass has got away? Especially if it's not, you know, if it's shatterproof, it's bulletproof. Like, it's fairly thick, it looks like. Like, they look like they were struggling to move along with that thing as they were going through the house. Yeah, and what happens if they're just, like, behind you? You got a choice to make which way you turn <laughs> the glass. Um, they're going through the house. Uh, they run into... Uh, they run into one of the ghosts. Weird shenanigans ensue. Cut back to Kalina and the babysitter Maggie. Uh, she leads into the center of the house where there's this massive set of gears and widgets and all the controls for the house. And this is where we see Cyrus again. But Cyrus isn't a ghost. Cyrus is alive. He tricked us. We got bamboozled and hoodwinked. Yep. And we get bamboos and hoodwinked the second time because Selena's on Cyrus's side now. Uh, she knocks Maggie out with this massive book. Yeah. And brings him a bunch of spells. This, this twist I felt like just came out of nowhere, like not in a good way. Like I was just kind of like, what? <laughs> well, one of the things I read, originally they wanted Maggie to be the one to turn. But... They, it just, it, like, it didn't feel right, didn't sit well. So, like, the next best choice they had, now, like, because, I mean, there's only, outside of the ghost, there's really only, like, six characters in this movie. They're very small. Yeah, characters. yeah. Like, you know, you have the extras in the beginning who are setting everything up. You have the people playing the ghost. But that's it. Like, it's literally just these people in this house. Um, as Abed would call it, it's a bottle episode. <laughs> but, uh, so... I didn't see it coming. Did it make a ton of sense? Not really. 
can I go with it? Yeah, I guess. Like, we got to kind of move the plot along a little bit. Um, so, yeah, she's actually with Cyrus now. Um, eventually, they, you know, they they get cornered. And uh, Dennis sacrifices himself uh, for uh, Arthur's sake. It's a scene he kind of solved himself earlier. Dies a horrible death, by the way, getting split almost in half, like his back broken. <laughs> oh, yeah. he Well, he has a run-in with the juggernaut. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. He has a run-in with the juggernaut, and the juggernaut was not playing around. The juggernaut is a rather massive individual. Um, so... Quick bio on the Juggernaut. Horsebreaker Mahoney was born disfigured and outcast his entire life. His mother banned him at a tender age. <clears throat> Excuse me. His dad put him to work in a junkyard using his unusual strength to crush cars. After his dad dies, he goes insane. He takes motors from hitchhikers, tears them apart with his bare hands, feeds the remain to his dogs. For several of the murders, he's arrested. SWAT team shoots and kills him after he broke free of his handcuffs. Um... His body and his spirit stayed in the junkyard. Uh, his body's filled with bullet holes. Uh, he kills intruders to the junkyard. Uh, that's where we get his body count is in the 40s. Mm. Um, uh, yeah, so his running with the juggernaut, not good. Um, eventually, they end up, Arthur ends up back in the middle of the house. He sees, after all the ghosts are called Derek, he sees the 12 of them around his son and daughter in the middle of this whole shifting, which I think those things are cool where you got all those circles moving around each other in different ways, but they're there in the middle. Um, yeah. He he still believes at this time that he's got to, uh, if he sacrifices himself, that will kind of shut everything down. But he also sees his uncle Cyrus, and as he's going through the math in his head, it's like, okay, my son and daughter are real. Counts to twelve ghosts, and it kind of puts it together in his head that, like, hey, he's not a ghost; he's real. So he takes his glasses off, confronts Cyrus, starts a little fist fight with him. He gets a couple good licks in, and then Cyrus just whips the hell out of him with his cane. Yeah. I thought it was I thought it was a funny scene here. I like I at first was trying to figure out what he was counting, you know, cuz I'm like I'm like it should be obvious to you that he is real. But it it this scene kind of plays out a bit for him to count all the ghosts and assign them their names in case anybody forgot. And then yeah. uh you know, to remove the glasses to remove all doubt that that he's real. Because uh, we did see him before, too. We saw him when his son uh, looked up and saw Cyrus at some point. But we thought he was a ghost. Yeah, and his son had the, his son had the glasses yeah. on. And it was still in the beginning, so... Actually, we, did he? Because the glasses fell off at some point. Should we have known at that point already? Well, no, his, his, the glasses fell off like after he kind of got scared and ran away. I don't think it was okay. Here. Okay, But I think he still had the glasses on while he was riding his scooter around. Right, right, right. So it kind of, that that kind of helped give us the impression that he was that, a ghost. Like, yeah. Plus, like you said, we did just see him die not that long ago. Yeah. So what was um, his plan here? So how did he pull this off with 
the with the fake dying in front of Matthew Lillard here with the fake. Glass. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I don't get the body like I like how he pulled that off. I don't know. And this he, he had like some sort of like was his plan uh, like his like it was decapitated. Yeah, yeah. But he had some sort of like uh, I guess makeup he had you know like prosthetic that he had that made it look like he was cut into his neck. And I guess he just rested the plate there. But or unless he had a fake body and like kind of scooted off somewhere. Yeah. Um. I don't know. But we find out Cyrus was alive the whole time. And this is where I say it was a little obvious earlier that uh, of who built the house. Cyrus faked his death but continued building the house because he had the financial wherewithal to do it. Yeah, yeah. He was he was capable of doing that. I don't think Matthew, I don't think Dennis, Matthew Lillard would have done it. Kalina might have helped him, but I don't know. I'd like to know when they kind of got together because she was very against him in the beginning of the movie. And there was just That's no why way. I felt like the twist was out of nowhere. He he's the reason her husband or whatever dies, right? I mean, it was... Yeah, there was, there was nothing tying those two no. together, so I don't get how those two hooked up. And then I think it kind of intimated they were lovers as well and everything. I don't get it. Yeah. But okay, like, money will do that thing to you. Money will do things for you, I guess. Yeah, so it makes me wonder, um, was she faking all of that with her husband, like where she was against him, or... Was she playing the long yeah, game? Yeah, yeah. I, it's possible. Um, Rod Digger was only knocked out, so she gets up, starts DJing, because there's some sounds playing that yeah, are calling the ghost. Very 2000. Um, <laughs> starts messing with levers and pulleys and things. Um... The ghosts end up coming out of their trance. They, because Arthur captured on the, yes, no, I'm sorry, Cyrus is the one who captured all of them. Uh, they end up turning on Cyrus. He dies a horrible death. They go on free from the spirit world. Um, Arthur jumps in, saves his kids. Movie ends. And then we get Maggie at the end yelling and screaming. She quits. Odd ending. It just really ends right there. It's like boom, credits, do 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 do, and you're like, what? okay. Here's the thing. Now, if this were made nowadays, there might be like a stinger uh, at the end. Th- yeah, there'd definitely be something. There'd be a ghost left over or something, or like Matthew Lillard's. You know, Dennis would be like yeah. they'd, they'd be. Yeah. They'd have like a spinoff series with Dennis, and he'd be around. Or yeah, because Dennis you know, was the thirteenth ghost after all of this. Yeah, oh, he like, sacrificed himself. He sacrifices himself for 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 Arthur, and then we see and Dennis we see later ghost. as yeah. a ghost talking to Arthur, telling him to go help his kids and everything. Um, it was a movie. It <laughs> it was a movie. <laughs> it was a movie. Um, let me pull. Up I don't think here. there were any memes that came out of it. No, like I said, I just unless if. It was something I'm not aware of because, like, I just heard of this movie. So, at least, like, with the Travolta meme and stuff, I knew it was Pulp Fiction. I knew it was Travolta. Like, yeah, I can't think of. I I even looked, I even tried to Google, like, 13 Ghost Memes. Nothing came up. Yeah, okay. All right. So, a couple quick notes. And and this is something I thought. So, this movie looked phenomenal, right? Mm Except on HBO or Max, as it's now called, because I didn't want to put the disc in my 
I didn't, I didn't feel like getting up. And it just, I don't know why. It, like, there's ads on, like, I thought it had the ad-free version. Oh, really? still kept getting ads. And yeah, I have ad-free. Kept getting, I could have swore I had ad-free. It kept getting ads, and it would just pop up in weird random spots. And it's like, damn it. Um, so Warner Brothers and Dark Castle Entertainment, the company behind this, originally planned to release it in 3D. And we're going to carry over the original uh, gimmick from the original 13 Ghosts. In 1960, where they needed glasses to see the ghosts in the film, they eventually scrapped the. Plans. That was a real thing. Yes, apparently it we'll was. have to watch the original sometime. <laughs> I don't know if I can watch the original. I might want to. I might check it out for curiosity's sake, but the thing is in black and white. And... Yeah, it's not gory either. Like, like this. I don't think you get the lawyer death. But one thing that I found very interesting, I just want to say this. I pulled up the article on Wikipedia about the 13th Ghost from 1960. And mm-hmm. uh, the person that bequeaths the house to their nephew in this is called Dr. Plato Zorba. And the nephew is named Cyrus instead of Arthur. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like maybe we can we can head in it as it's a, it's a continuation cyrus is now crazy and he bequeathed it to his nephew so i think now i think you could probably do something a lot better with some of the visual effects um and with the ghosts i kind of did wonder the same thing when this first came out like because they made the glasses such a big part of this movie why they didn't have something in the theaters with the glasses and seeing the ghosts and in 2001, like, maybe the technology just wasn't totally there. I get that. Um, but I think it could have been an interesting hook on it. Yeah, it's kind of like, it, it would be kind of like, it'd be it'd be interesting to watch this movie without seeing any of the ghosts if you don't have the glasses. Because I'm wondering what that could movie you, would be like. It's kind of like, could you even... Go ahead. Could you even really watch it? Though? I don't like, think so. You can watch it, but would you get like would you be able to get anything out of the movie Mm-mm. without seeing the ghost? No, because it loses it loses the very little heart this movie has, which is the Arthur mom. with the mom, like his wife, and them saying goodbye to each other there, and like that is a you lose that, which I think is the the big thing, but also. You just lose like the the character of it in the sense of all of the very distinct ghosts that helped make this probably become a cult classic. Um, yeah, y- you would lose all that. So uh, that'd be curious. It's almost like if you went to see like Clue in theaters and they had like the three different endings split upon oh, yeah. the and theater, you, and you don't. And you don't see until like twenty years later that wait a minute, there's there's another ending, <laughs> or or like here's like yeah the, the the full vision of it with all the endings, uh, yeah that that can make for an interesting. All right, but on a more interesting note, just last month, or I'm sorry, in August of this year because it's last month for us, two months ago as we watch this or as you're listening to the podcast. Dark Castle Entertainment announced they're making a 13 Ghost series. It's going to be an anthology series that's going to, each episode is kind of going to be a background, a story on each of the 13 Ghosts. Yeah. Which I think is a great idea. And I think 
for like a Netflix or a Hulu or a, you know, Peacock or something like that can work. I, yeah. So I also looked into this too. So it's not greenlit yet. Um, it is something they're shopping around, I guess. We'll see how it goes. But um, I do wonder. I, I think that could be more interesting for people that are fans of it. But also, I think it opens it up for casuals that haven't watched the movies. Because you can just yeah. follow those little stories of the anthology of each ghost. And then if you find out there's a movie, you could watch the movie. Um so I do think that's interesting, but I just wonder, like, with the state of strikes going on here. Is this going to be a casualty? Yeah, some of these things end up being casualties. Disney just scrapped a whole show they had filmed. HBO's. I was going to say, wasn't it already done, too? Yeah, Disney scrapped Spiderwick Chronicles, which sucks because I loved those books growing up. And uh, Paramount shopping it because Paramount made it with Disney or something. But you're getting a lot of this type of stuff where things are just becoming casualties of the strikes. Um, so I do wonder if this will actually happen or if there's an actual buyer and what type of budget it can be done for, I guess we, we might have more casualties too, because they're talking about trying to tie in writers and voice actors from video games mm-hmm. into the strikes as well. Yeah. They might vote a second um, strike on SAG uh, after uh, for video games. Um, so also a side note, like I said, I watched this on Max. I do own this on disc. The disc does have some great special features. One of them, F. Murray Abraham narrates like a 20 or 30 minute thing that goes over the story of all the 12 ghosts. Mm. And actually it might even tie into what 13 is supposed to be. So one, F. Murray Abraham has a great voice for that. It, it is a great, like it's, it's a great voice. Um, and it, it's a cool little because it gives you the backstory about like, so for instance, uh, the hammer, uh, he was a blacksmith in the 1890s. He's falsely accused uh, by some people of stealing uh, uh, so some they killed his family and then he went crazy, took his blacksmith's hammer and beat to death a bunch of townsfolk and then they they, in turn, came back, and that's how he has a bunch of spikes in him because they tied him to a tree, like cut off his hand, and put a bunch of railroad spikes in his body, blah, blah, blah. So he's got a right to be angry. Kind of get that. Um, but it, it goes into little backstories on each of them. Uh, you know, one of them was like a baseball star in the 50s, and he got into a drag race. His opponent messed with his brakes, and he died in a horrible car accident. Um one of them was uh, a young girl. She was very vain. She kept getting plastic surgery. Eventually had some botched plastic surgery and died that way. She was also in some very abusive relationships. So on so But uh, so that hopefully maybe something like that is on YouTube because, you know, people rip that stuff and throw it online. But if you if you've been interested in the movie and maybe want to hear a little more about these characters, uh, you can listen to that. I, I sent you a little article yeah. that kind of gave you a brief, brief overview on them. Because they don't really go into anything in the movie. Uh, it's only like an hour and a half. They don't have a ton of time. Yeah, and so they just f- by the way, the first like hour is quick in the sense of like, I was like, how are they wrapping up this up in 30 minutes? Like I paused it to go like, 
get a drink or something and come back and i'm like i got 30 minutes left and like he's just now learning about the ghosts <laughs> it was something like that yeah. i was like what is going on <laughs> at some point you're like hey we gotta move this yeah along. i'm like what is going on uh but yeah, yeah. So I wanted to share this too. I just read that there is a Blu-ray release too from 2020 that apparently has brand new uh, cast interviews and stuff. So if people did want to find it, you don't have to go looking for the DVD. There's like new stuff on the Blu-ray. Um, I want to add this to every. I think what I'm going to add every week now here is let's go over the Rotten Tomatoes IMDb scores and all that stuff. So. Uh, bef- yeah, bef- before that. we rate it, I know it's not scored before we rate it. Uh, we'll do that for each film. So that way you kind of know where we land compared to the rest of the world. Um, okay. Before you, yeah. before you get to scores, one quick note, Matthew Lillard, by all accounts is a fantastic person. Mm-hmm. Um, I just saw a couple things because as I'm looking through for stuff for the movie, people have had interactions with Matthew Lillard at various comic cons and things all over the place. Not a single bad account on this dude in any way, shape, or form. Like, everybody has said the guy is, is awesome. He enjoys his fans. He's been, uh, he's a sweetheart to people. He enjoys taking pictures with his fans. He enjoys, like, signing autographs for these people at Comic-Cons and various things. I think I read James and, Gunn is, that I think he's talked up Matthew Lillard, and, like, James Gunn, usually won't even hire people for his movies nowadays. If he feels like if he's heard they're assholes, <laughs> yeah. you know, cause he wants to work with good people. So, you know, there you go. But so like, just like, if you ever, if you are a fan of Matthew Lillard and you are in the area, you find out he's going to appear at one of these conventions around you from everything I've seen. It is totally worth meeting him because it is a great experience and he's, He's just a fantastic person, which is not something you hear about with some people in Hollywood. I thought you were going to say originally, like, just want to say this, Matthew Lillard apparently hates this movie or something. I thought you were going to go into something like that. I don't know. (laughs) I've seen some people. He's he's talked about some movies with his his fans and everything. Obviously, he has a big following from Scream, Mm -hmm. Scooby-Doo, but, you know, just the fact that he's a great... Yeah. (laughs) So, uh, just like I said, if you get the chance to, to... if he's coming to a convention near you and you're like, I don't know if I want to go, it might be worth it just to get the chance to meet and interact with Matthew. All right. So before I give my review, what do Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb have? Yeah. Again, this is like Rotten Tomatoes. I want to clarify for people. 2001, uh, not as many reviews out in the world. So like nowadays you get probably about 200 to 300 for major blockbusters. Uh, this is 94 reviews, um, 18% on Rotten Tomatoes. By the way, like horror films don't usually do good on this anyway. Okay. You typically have to be a fan of horror films to really go see it. Audience score with 250,000 plus ratings, 49%. Wow. It's, a, it's a big jump, though. Just under half, right? I mean, it's just, still a big jump. Just under half. Uh, on IMDb, it is a 5.6 out of 10, and that's 91,000 people voting for that. And Metascore, which takes like, you know, the general score from critics. This only has 24 critics on this Metascore is a 30. All right. So Casey, where do you rank 
or what do you out of five stars for clarification for everyone we use the five star system here what is 13 ghosts for you all right so i've enjoyed this movie many times i've seen it probably too many times to count like if Halloween season comes around. It's one of those go-tos I'll throw in. One, I can kind of mindlessly watch and maybe do something else because I've seen it enough. I don't have to pay total attention to it. Um, But I got to say, today, I kind of looked at it in a little bit different light. Like I said, visually, I think even Roger Ebert agreed. Visually, the movie is amazing. Like, how the house the looks. Effects, and the effects, the makeup, all that it stuff. Is, yeah, yeah. Especially for 2001, like this is fantastic. Looking back at it now, the acting, and this is, I don't know if it was meant to be purposely over the top, like a B movie type thing, or what's going on, but the acting, I like today I was watching it, that's why I was like, what? I don't remember it being this hammy. Like, I don't remember Matthew Willard being this over the top. I'd have to give it probably two and a half out of five. Before I watched it today, I probably would have given it like a three and a half. Not going to lie. But after watching it today, looking at, like I said, the over-the-topness and looking at some things that just, as I'm watching it now, like don't make total sense and everything, like ah, two and a half. Two and a half stars for Casey. Uh, So this is our first horror one that we've talked about on here. I'm not people may not know this. I know we've kind of talked about it a bit on air, whatever. I'm not a big horror guy. I, I can watch, like, I really enjoy, you know, haunting of Hill house, haunting of Bly Manor on Netflix and like those type of ghost stories. Um, so this one, you know, Tony Shalhoub, Matthew Lillard, Shannon Elizabeth. I'm like, all right, I'm in. It's got some things you're interested in. Yeah. Yeah. It's got some pieces. In yeah. There. It's got some pieces in there. Uh, all together though. Not something I'm interested in. <laughs> I gave this a one and a half out of five stars. Uh, the opening scene was a big turnoff for me. The random spraying of the blood, the weird F. Murray Abraham character of Cyrus, all that stuff. I was like, what is this movie? When we kind of got into the, the open, uh, my favorite parts, the opening credits with finding out what happened to Tony Shalhoub's character, like being introduced to them and then like the fire and like seeing where he's at now. I really liked that. I thought that was really cool work. And um, I really think the best part of this movie is Tony Shalhoub as uh, Arthur. I think he's the one that probably the only one that really knocks out the park. I think for a lot of his acting, uh, his scene with his wife at the end, you know, is very powerful in what he can portray um, but altogether, I felt like the movie's kind of a mess, uh, kind of a mess short and I shouldn't have to go on Wikipedia and read about the 13 ghosts background. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that's cool no, that they have that stuff, but it's also like, doesn't seem that important then if I need to look it up as an ancillary material, um, Overall, I didn't find it that scary or anything. You know, the story is not really about that. Uh, but a couple jump scares, but not a ton. Yeah, the the part I liked the least is probably when the lawyer got split in half, and they actually show his like first half slinking down. I was like, that's kind of really gross. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, I gave it one and a half stars uh, above Pulp Fiction. <laughs> On my list here. But below the Goonies, which are the three I've watched and rated so far. So, um, so yeah, so that is uh, 13 Ghosts. Uh, okay, so now it's my turn to pick something. We're going into November. I, I'm, I've been debating this whole episode in the back of my head as we've been discussing the movie. What's next, right? What is next? What's a movie that I can pick and I think I'm going to go with, I think I'm finally going to do it. I think we're going to go Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. I will take the ring to Mordor. No. I do not know the way. I will help you bear this burden. As long as it is yours to bear. By my life or death, I can protect you. I will. You have my sword. And you have my bow. And my axe. We're going to start the journey. All right. Make sure you check the length of that movie. Out. Yeah, before you sit down at breakfast at like <laughs> and watch it. Um it is uh, let's let's do this too. It is released 2 months after 13 Ghosts. <laughs> this movie is a 2001 like December Christmas era film and uh based off of a book written around the time of the 13 ghost original movie look i'm just tying tying these things together here um but yeah i've really enjoyed this movie i was just telling a story about this yesterday that as a kid i was dumb right like i mean i was a smart kid but i mean like i look internet wasn't like fully available yet i had to do dial up and stuff so i couldn't research as much as i like so when you know, people are talking about, are you going to go see Lord of the Rings? And I'm like, that Harry Potter knockoff? No, I'm not going to see that. Um, you will start a war saying something like that. I had no clue as a kid. Like, I thought it was like, you know, one of these things they were trying to match. I was like, look, Gandalf, like, he looks like Dumbledore. Um, but obviously. You are lucky you are alive right now. <laughs> obviously, Lord of the Rings was written way before Harry Potter and is, you know, partly what inspired Harry Potter. So, um, then I watched it. We've, we got it from my mom's friend, uh, on VHS and it was two VHS tapes to watch this movie. And, uh, I fell in love with it. And then I went to the theaters for the second and third one. And, um, yeah, so I'm really excited to see what you think. Casey, are you, uh, any fan of like fantasy esque films or anything? Okay, so before I answer that, let me ask you one question. I own this on disc, mm -hmm. right? It was on a Prime Day sale, and it was one of those. I think it was like thirty five bucks for the whole set on disc or something. And it was one of those like I kind of felt I had to have, even though I've never watched it. Don't judge me, but. I know there are at least two, if not more, versions of this movie. Yes. 
which version of said movie is the one to watch. For the sake of your bladder and your sleep schedule, I'm going to go with... Well, I mean, I'm here at home. <laughs> I can always pause and go to the back. True. Like, I'm not... I've actually never seen the full extended version, so I'll leave it up to you, Casey. If you want me to be on this journey with you and watch the extended editions for the first time, I will. Or we can well, go theatrical. My next question, which I, I know I said one, but what what is the difference between the regular and extended version? Like, like that that was my only other question. Like, is there a major difference? Is it just like maybe a couple other scenes or something? Do they add like forty eight minutes to the movie, which takes it to you know three days worth of viewing? Like, I was gonna say it's more than a couple scenes. <laughs> is uh, hold on, let me see. Uh, extended edition. Fellowship. Okay. How long is this movie? Okay, so I'm looking to see something on movie web. The amount of material added back in the extended editions varies from film to film. Uh, despite theatrical cuts of the Fellowship, the remaining two towers being essentially the same length, 30 additional minutes were added to Fellowship, while the two towers had about 45 minutes of new content. All right, so there you go. Th about 30 additional minutes for the first film on the extended edition. It's 228 minutes, which is three hours, it's almost four almost hours, hours on 3.8 hours. <laughs> okay, so there, let me see. There's a Reddit thing from 2014. Uh, Let me, let me see if there's a. I'd probably say for a first time viewer, it's probably better to go theatrical. That was the version cut down to show the masses. I'm just trying to see if. Uh... Story-wise, is there something... No, no. Story-wise, you're not really missing... What happened is they ended up fil filming a bunch of stuff, obviously, right? So they were pretty... This is controversial. They were pretty faithful. People don't really think they were that faithful. But I mean, like, they filmed a bunch of stuff. They had to, of course, cut certain things or move certain things. But... You know, what I would say is for the people that are more hardcore, they'll, they'll kind of lean extended because you'll get more moments. But, like, I th the movie still makes tons of sense, like, extend, like, regular edition, um, which is, uh, let's see, Fellowship of the Ring is how long? Two hours and 58 minutes for the theatrical. Hmm. I uh, I think I might have to text you on this one. Okay. Whatever one I decide. I I don't know yet. I'm not. I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't know yet. Cause either way, like it's looking like I'm gonna have to put three to four hours away with going. <laughs> right. And I'm gonna have to like settle in for one. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't have a problem with that. But I just don't know if there's. I might have to do a little more research. See what most fans say, or for like a see if there's something that says, like, for a first time watch, yep, yep, is there a difference and is there a better one to watch? 
All right, so Casey's going to research. What I'm going to do is once I get his answer, I will edit that answer into here. And you, the viewer and listener, will know which one to watch as we get ready to watch Lord of the Rings Fellowship of the Ring for Casey's first time. Okay, so to continue on with this, if I am correct, originally the plan that we had when it came to series like this is we're going to continue on with the series for your next several picks. Yes, yep. Okay, so. So I'm locked in. You're locked in for like a three-pick three period. You're you're going Lord of the Rings, Two Towers. Return of the King. And Return of yep. the King. Just, okay, so we know what those, we know what your next three movies are going to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. I can deal with that. I don't think I could marvel it like I did my Infinity Saga a couple of years ago. <laughs> Yeah, it might be best for you to space them out, too, so that you can digest it. You don't get confused on which scene is in which movie when we're talking about it. Uh, You know, stuff like that. Um, But yeah, so I'm locked in. But I'll reiterate those picks each week that we pick, so that everyone can remember. There's at least one meme for next week that I know is showing up. Oh, which? Oh, now I'm curious. One does not simply walk into Oh, of course. Yeah, the the big one. One does not simply watch all three Lord of the Rings movies back to back to back. Yeah, there's tons of memes from these, actually. So that'll be a segment within itself, for sure. Uh, But yeah, so that'll wrap us up here. So Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Extended Edition... Uh, you can follow all of our stuff in the show notes below or in the you know, YouTube comment, uh, YouTube description below. Have a great rest of your week and Thanksgiving, not Thanksgiving, Halloween holiday, and we'll catch you next time.